You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, um, I've decided to switch it up a little bit. We have covered, what, 110 prospects or so. But I also want to make sure that um, we're covering everybody that needs to be covered. Because although we're touching on a lot of prospects that a lot of people really like or don't like or whatever, there's a lot of names that I keep hearing. Packer fans really love, obsessed with, etc. And we haven't even gotten there. Now, the next 10, there's a couple guys that's like, oh yeah, I definitely like Schoonmaker. Been wanting to watch him for, I mean, I, I have seen him a long time ago, but been wanting to officially watch him for a long time, and we're just getting to him. And so I decided to change it up. I went on Twitter, I went on Facebook, I went on Patreon, and I just said, look, man, here is everybody we've covered on the podcast so far. Give me the names of the guys that need to be covered now. And so now it's going to be up to you, and I will do my best to get to you because, you know, it takes a lot of time, but uh, that's what we're doing. And so the very first person to uh, react to everything is Mr. Mike P on Twitter at MJP underscore OC. He said, Bryce Ford Wheaton, Andre Losivas, Luke Schoonmaker, Clayton Toon, Riley Moss, and Corey Trice. Already I love this experiment because the first three guys I absolutely need, Ford Wheaton and Andre Losivas, if I'm even saying that name right, are guys that I really want to watch. And I don't think I would have even gotten to them if I had just followed the consensus board. So this is how we're going to start off the show. Anyways, let's get started. Uh, Bryce Ford Wheaton is next up. Obviously, part of the issue with doing this, which, again, it's still a good thing, but we're getting like deep into some of this uh, content. We're, we've jo- dropped down, according to Dane Brugler, into the seventh round. But Bryce Ford Wheaton, wide receiver out of West Virginia, number 38 wide receiver on his big board, um, six foot three and a half, 221 pounds, from Fuquay, Verena, North Carolina, 23 years old. Bryce Ford Wheaton, one of three kids, grew up in Martinsburg, Virginia. Deep family ties to the area. Dude, you start talking about West Virginia and then deep family ties? Clayton, you know this guy? <laughs> they go way back up in them mountains. Let's see. He was a three-star recruit. Uh, Ford Wheaton was the number nine, uh, 119 wide receiver in the 2018 class, number 26 in North Carolina. Several Power 5 scholarship offers, Louisville, Missouri, Syracuse, Washington State. But he wanted to continue his family's legacy at West Virginia. That makes perfect sense. His maternal grandfather, Garrett Ford Sr., played running back at West Virginia in 1964 through 67, became the first player in school history to reach 1,000 yards rushing. That's crazy. He was picked in the third round, number 58 overall in the draft by the Denver Broncos, later returned to West Virginia as an assistant coach under Bobby Bowden, first black coach in school history, then an associate athletic director. Bryce's uncle, Garrett Ford Jr., was a running back at West Virginia, 89-92. Bryce's mother, Tracy Ford, and father, Keith Wheaton, both earned their degrees from West Virginia. Bryce graduated the degree in sports management in 2021, became the first player in school history to wear number zero on his jersey. So, uh, 
big, big time West Virginia family. Trying to follow in his grandfather's footsteps of getting drafted going to the NFL. Obviously, that is going to happen at some point. But the the massive appeal, especially among Packer fans, is that he fits the MVS and um, Christian Watson role. Six foot three and a half, two twenty one, runs a four three eight. But it said uh, Ford Wheaton was the ex receiver in Coach Neil Brown's offense, ex- uh, lining up exclusive to the left of the formation. Overall, Ford Wheaton must develop better confidence in his hands and routes to match in the NFL. But he is a rare height, weight, length, speed athlete with potential to be a ball winner. He's a high-level developmental NFL prospect, grade seventh round. It's kind of crazy to see somebody that's that talented and um, be a seventh-round prospect. But you know, it reminds me of MVS. He was a was he back of the fifth or sixth round? I think he was fifth, but it was like the last pick of the fifth or something crazy. But it is nuts because it just really goes to show that the height, weight, speed thing—it doesn't buy you much. There's still a whole thing where there's, you know, like being a receiver and whatnot. But then I go and watch, and it's like, I don't know, dude, he looks exactly like Christian Watson, who looked exactly like MVS. So, I, I mean, he could be awesome, or he could be, like, not super great. I don't know. Uh, PFF actually didn't even put him in their scouting uh, report, so we will just go directly to PFF. So he has been there for five years. First year, he didn't do a ton. Second year, kind of midway, whatever, but... His grades have been consistent, uh, albeit slightly moving up. 55, 59, 60, 63, and 69. So I do like that it's an arrow pointed straight up, but it is crawling upwards. Um, He went from essentially a 59 to a 69 over his four years. And uh, yeah, consistency from week to week also, but even that is... um, His first two weeks were fantastic. 79.6 against Pittsburgh, 81.1 against Kansas, but then it was then you get into the consistency. 61, 57, 63, 65, 67, 55, 57, 66, 50, 63. So the 150 was kind of his low, but otherwise it's mid 50s to mid 60s every single week. He ended the season with 675 yards and seven touchdowns. As far as my thoughts on Bryce Ford Wheaton, I'll start off with this. I think his ties to West Virginia may have hurt him a little bit because of the way that they used him there. He's a big, fast guy, and he's running curl routes. You know what I mean? But I also look at him, and I just see a really high floor. I mean, I, I, I would have to still put him above MVS. MVS, to me, was a guy that really did very little other than run in a straight line. Cannot believe how much money that guy got. Because I'm looking at BFW as a guy that can easily run in a straight line really fast. We know that. But he's also a lot bigger than most guys that can do that at 220 pounds. So he can push everybody around. He is a really big, physical, willing blocker. So even if we're saying, you know, he, he, he doesn't have a fully developed route tree and we're worried about his ability to, uh, you know, win with great routes and all that, listen, and again, it's not just go routes. I mean, guys like this can excel with vertical and vertical-esque routes. Yes, he can win with a go route. He's also going to win with a post route and a curl route, and a sail route? Is he going to win with a 10-yard dig, be able to shimmy and shake, or a slant route? I don't know. Maybe not. But how much do I... I mean, you're telling me seventh round? That's all I got to pay for this guy? I, I, I just genuinely don't understand it. And again, I'm not even trying to tell you he's a great wide receiver. I'm just telling you that based on his raw attributes, and I, I, I hate to sound like a... a um, casual fan, and I know that's what I sound like, and, and it's probably true. I'm way off on this, but I just don't understand it. Um, I, I don't know. It's, um, I wouldn't put him in the, you know, first round category because there are limitations, clearly. But I, I just, the floor is high enough that I feel like anybody that has this build, like, can you run at 221, can, can you block? Yes. Can you run in a straight line really fast? Yes. Can you catch passes? Yes. Okay. I feel like fifth round, fourth round is like the floor for somebody like that. Unless you've got like character concerns or something. So I, I don't, I don't know. I'd, I'd love to, uh, I'm sure there are examples of guys that have come into the NFL at, at that size and speed that are just horrific, but it just feels like there's, there's a baseline minimum of things that you'll be able to do. But what do I know? But again, I think the West Virginia thing kind of hurt him because they didn't really utilize his strengths 
the best. And obviously, they're not going to say no to a guy like that. He's an absolute freak. And the only reason he wants to go there, as opposed to a, you know, a bigger program or a program that would utilize what he does best, is because that's that's his roots, is West Virginia. So. I like Bryce Ford Wheaton, no doubt about it. And I, I think he could come in and just be fantastic. And even, even when you look at Dane Brugler and he's like, yeah, it's going to take a couple years. Like, so? <laughs> you tell me it's going to take two years to get this guy a fully developed route tree at his size and his speed? What am I going to do, be mad about that? I'm, I'm not. I may have said this already, but Bryce Ford Wheaton, we never would have gotten to no chance in the world. He was at 196. In fact, uh, Andre Loshivas is at 195, just one spot in front of him. Should we do that next? Let's do that next. So this one's a little bit more difficult because there was no tape that I could find on him. There was a little bit on YouTube that JJ had sent to me. I don't have any All-22. There's not a lot on YouTube with him. Seems to be really intelligent. He went to a, well, let's let's read it. We'll go to through the beast and then we'll give you my thoughts and whatnot because I don't even think PFF has him on their list. But Andre Yoshivas out of Princeton, so already a big, heady institution, six foot three, two hundred five, um, from Honolulu, Hawaii, 23 and a half years old, uh, has a younger brother, grew up in Honolulu, developed a love for football at age five at flag football, first generation U.S. citizen, attended Panahu School, a private school in Honolulu, the alma mater of Barack Obama. So again, this guy has been to the top institutions, so... <laughs> The funny thing, too, is when you think about a, a uh, Christian Watson clone, this is the guy you're probably going to go to. I don't think he's quite as fast, 6'3", 205, 443, but height, weight, speed, similar weight to, not 220s, 205. I don't think Watson is much bigger than that. Don't remember. But the other thing is Christian Watson is extremely intelligent. So now you look at uh, Andre Loshivas, Yoshivas, Yoshivas. The announcers, when I watch the highlights or whatever, keep saying Yoshivas. But he has it pronounced Yo Shivas. The emphasis on the she, not the yo. And the I always looks like an L, so I keep thinking it's Lo Shivas, but it's Yo Shivas. Is it just me or does that sound Hebrew? I'm so confused. It's like a Hebrew last name, but it's he's from Honolulu, Hawaii. I don't know. But again, then you get the intelligence mixed in with everything else. I mean, it's it's just it's Christian Watson to a T. Just without, you know, he's not a second round prospect. Uh, Yoshivas wasn't nationally ranked by recruiting services when overlooked because of limited high school production and geography. Prior to his senior year, he attended a Stanford recruiting camp and started to gain momentum as a recruit. Uh, Yoshivas ultimately received only two offers and committed to Princeton over Dartmouth. So, (laughs) I mean, this guy is, he was at a Stanford camp and then got offers from Princeton and Dartmouth. My goodness. He also, by the way, won five gold medals in the 2018 state championship uh, with the 100-meter, 200-meter long jump, uh, 100-meter relay, 400-meter relay. So, yeah, he's, he's an absolute track star out at, uh, in Hawaii. But uh, two-year starter at Princeton, outside wide receiver and offensive coordinator Mike Willis's scheme, lining up primarily to the left of the formation, multi-sport athlete in college. He had an impressive 2022 calendar year as an All-American and Ivy League MVP in track, set the league record in heptathlon. That's fake. Heptathlon? Heptathlon. Is that like Flonkerton? Followed by leading the Ivy League in receiving as a senior and earning All-American status on the football field. It's pretty wild, man. Training year-round for two sports his entire life, he has interesting upside once he can focus his body and mind as a football-only athlete. That's uh, interesting to think about also. The guy is an extremely hard worker, obviously, considering his academic um, endeavors, but also the fact that he's been in at least two sports his entire life, all the way through college when he dominated football and track, and now he's going to go to the NFL and just focus on football. Something to think about. Overall, Yoshivas has the long speed and body control worth developing, but he is currently limited and requires a patient coaching staff while he adds branches to his route tree and learns how to be more competitive receiver. Though he is a project for an NFL team, he can add a vertical element for an offense while he develops at the bottom of the wide receiver depth chart, fifth round grade. It's essentially exactly what I said about Christian Watson and pretty much any of these straight line speed guys. They're MVS until they develop into something else, if they develop into something else. As far as his grades, love to see it. Um, It's just a straight line going up. 62.8, then 74.8, then 83.8. Consistency, I mean, 
It's largely held up, propped up by three big 80 games, but nothing terrible. 70-70-60, 80-70, 80-80, and then 57-9 against Penn was his only kind of not super great game. 924 yards and seven touchdowns. The 23 and a half years old thing too also is going to factor into it. But again, I, I, I couldn't see much as far as him actually playing. So it's going to be somewhat of an incomplete grade, but... I mean, he has everything. Here, here's the only other thing I'll add, and I'm certainly not trying to make him sound better than Christian Watson because, again, we're talking about a fifth-round prospect as opposed to a second-round prospect. So for whatever reason, probably just the blazing speed of Christian Watson, but something else to consider is that uh, Los Chivas has better hands than Christian Watson. Um, Watson was kind of a phenomenal athlete, but he had some issues with his hands and with drops. Um, he does not. I remember watching the... Um, some of the highlights and stuff that I found, he was making some pretty impressive catches. And my first thought was, oh, dang, he's he's like Watson, but better hands. And then I thought, ah, eh, can't base that on highlights. He might have a ton of drops. And I went and looked. He does not. 4.5% um, drop rate. Last year was 2.3%. The year before that, his rookie year was 143 But, you know, again, he's, he's getting better. Career is 5.3, but that's, you know, the last two years have both been lower than that. So drops are really not his issue. So... He doesn't exactly have the blinding speed that Watson has, but again, 6'3", 205, 4'4", speed is a fast dude. So I, I generally see it as somewhat of a high, high floor, not quite as much as BFW, because again, add on 15 pounds and then make him you know, like a tenth of a second faster, that's a significantly higher floor in my opinion. But still, both uh, pretty fun and interesting prospects to consider. All right, so what I'm what I've actually been doing now is as you guys comment on Patreon, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, I'm keeping track of all the different names and we've got um it looks like about almost 40 prospects, so I'm super excited about that. But as they come in, I also keep track of how many. So there are um a couple duplicates, and then there's one triplicate here, and that's Mr. Jake Hayner. So we'll go through all the doubles and triples, and then as we get through those, then we'll go to the guys that are highest up on our list um, to look at. One of the things that's actually kind of surprised me is how many of you really want to cover the quarterbacks, um, which makes sense. We need a backup quarterback. We haven't really looked at quarterbacks before, but um, pretty excited about that. I don't want to do Jake Hayner yet. Just because I actually already started talking about Clayton Toon, um, you haven't heard it yet, but I'll, I will copy and paste it. Um, don't worry about the reason why, just because nonsense. But we're going to start with Clayton Toon, we'll get to Jake Hayner, and then we'll get to Jaron Hall, and then we'll see if there are any other uh, doubles of any other quarterbacks or anything. I don't think so, but we're going to go uh, runner, runner, runner on um, quarterbacks. First of all, let's start with quarterback Mr. Clayton Toon. He is Mr. Uh, number not Mr. Number one seventy-five, so we probably would not have gotten to him. Dane Brugler lists him as the number ten quarterback on his list, so not super high on the guy. Out of Houston, six foot two and a half, two hundred and twenty pounds, out of Carrollton, Texas. 24 years old, John Clayton Toon, the youngest child in his family, grew up in Salina, started playing quarterback at a peewee level. When he was just seven years old, his other older brother Nathan led Salina High to an undefeated 16-0 record. Nathan went on to play at North Texas from 2006 to 2010, and then was the high school assistant and allowed Clayton to be his ball boy, which is kind of funny. Uh, Three-star recruit, Toon was number 35 pro-style quarterback in the 2018 recruiting class and the number 115 recruit in Texas. Number six quarterback behind Spencer Sanders, uh, who was number one. Four-year starter at Houston, showed clear development over his time in college, thrived in Dana Holgerson's version of the air raid offense. Overall, Toon will face a learning curve as his decision-making and eye discipline translate to the program but he is a natural passer with functional mobility, accuracy, and intangibles worthy of the NFL game. He has the necessary tools to become a backup and spot starter at the next level. Fifth, sixth round grade. PFF has him as the ninth-ranked quarterback, number 168 overall. Player comp is Bryce Petty. Where he wins tools, what's his role, developmental backup, where he can improve his timing, passing grade 91.3, intermediate 92.2, deep passing 93.2, 
with no pressure, 92.6. Under pressure, 67.7, which is actually relatively high. Um, his measurables in terms of his height, weight, arm length, hand size, nothing necessarily fantastic there. However, 4.64 uh, 40-yard dash is, I mean, it's not Lamar Jackson, but that's pretty quick. He's above the 80th percentile there. Same with his vert, broad, and three cone, all above the 80th percentile, with his vert being the best at 37.5 inches, uh, probably about the 95th percentile there. They go on to say there's so much quarterback nuance to clean up in Toon's game that it's hard to see him starting anytime soon. Then when we look over the course of his career, um, his first year was a 57 grade, then a 66, and then he really blossomed in year three, which is what we've been hearing about, but 84.7, then 90.8, and then 92. So even with his big jump, he continued to progress over the next several years. This year, 4,065 yards and 40 touchdowns. As far as my personal thoughts on him, first of all, I think a lot of the hype, I don't know, because I don't, I haven't been tuned into, <laughs> tuned into, get it, Clayton Tune. I haven't been tuned into this deep of the playoff conversation, or the playoff, the draft conversation, but I have a feeling the 4,000 yards and 40 touchdowns plays into the, holy crap, this guy's kind of good, but that's part of the issue with the air raid system. It's, it's constant drop back pass spread out. And so there are going to be artificially inflated numbers. Just throwing that out there. In addition to that, as far as the air raid is concerned, and I'm not saying you can't thrive having come from an air raid system. That's not the reality. I believe Rodgers came from air raid, if I'm not mistaken. But there are some differences. Like a lot of college guys, there's nothing under center. And then uh, one of the other things that I saw about it was that it really relies on, first of all, an overly simplified scheme and, and reads and progressions and all that, but also short to intermediate passes. So the first thing I wanted to look at was I went over to SIS to see how he did as a passer as far as his accuracy right out of the gate, but also deep passing. He is one of the most accurate passers. His um, on-target percentage is one of the highest in all of college football. So not just catchable, right? So there's catchable, which is, well, catchable. And then on-target is that ball was exactly where it needed to be. But then I bumped it up to 20 and 40-yard passes. And Clayton Toon stayed as one of the most accurate passers. So that's not an issue necessarily in terms of him being able to throw the ball deep. My biggest issue with Clayton Toon was the fact that the guy just stares people down. I don't think I really ever saw him go through progressions even once. He drops back, he stares, he waits, he waits, he waits, the guy comes open or he doesn't and Clayton Toon takes off running. So when you factor in how much development there needs to be just in general from the standpoint of you know, learning to go from air raid to more of an NFL style offense, learning to be under center and the different uh, terminologies and route concepts, footwork and all the stuff, all that stuff. He's also got to learn about the timing and progressions that, that need to happen. But as I said for PFF, where he wins tools, he, he is, I don't want to say he can make all the throws because that's stupid, but Again, 6'2", 220, plenty of speed. He's actually a really good runner. He has a 73 running grade, which as Clayton or Clay, uh, JJ pulled up a while ago, when you go back and look at the successful NFL quarterbacks, one of the weird correlations tends to be their rushing grade. Not 40 time, rushing grade. Some guys that are really fast suck at running. Kyler Murray, for example. Yeah, I said it. So the, the other thing is, if we're just talking backup, you know, this is the kind of guy that's, first of all, he's probably... <laughs> He's probably going to go into the preseason. He's going to make some incredibly accurate passes, and it's going to be one of the, he's better than Jordan Love. I mean, that's going to happen no matter what. But yeah, that that's going to be annoying. But I, I think he'd be fun, and I think it's one of those guys that has a relatively high upside considering he's a developmental guy. All right, next up is Mr. Jake Hayner. I'm actually excited to talk about him. A long time ago when I started putting together my sort of analytical big board, which I did not actually finish doing this year, just kind of stopped doing it. It's just a lot of work, and I feel like it. But Jake Hayner was a top guy, and I even factored in where they um, were ranked. So, I mean, you've got obviously quarterbacks like C.J. Stroud, who are top five, and then Hayner, who's like in the 200s probably at the time. And then I factored in where they went to school, so Ohio State compared to bum fiddles, and he still came out on top. So, very excited to uh, check out Mr. Jake Hayner. Dane Brugler is a little higher on him than he is Clayton Toon. Number six overall quarterback, Jake Hayner out of Fresno State, 5'11 and a half, 207 pounds out of Daneville, California. 24.1 years old is going to be the issue. Eldest of two boys, born and raised in the Bay Area, started playing football at a peewee level. 
He established himself as one of the top up-and-coming area quarterbacks in the sixth grade. That's pretty crazy. Three-star recruit. Hayner was a number 25 pro-style quarterback in the 2017 recruiting class. Number 62nd, uh, 60, number 62 recruit in California. Got some FBS and FCS offers, but he stayed patient for a Pac-12 offer. The summer prior to his senior year, Washington, his mother and grandmother's alma mater offered him, uh, and Hayner committed to head coach Chris Peterson. So he went to Washington first, blah, 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 then he went to Fresno State. Actually, it's still a little bit of an interesting story. There was a quarterback battle between him and Jacob Eason. He felt that he won the quarterback battle during the 2019 fall camp, but the Huskies decided to go with five-star transfer Jacob Eason. Within 24 hours of the decision, Hayner transferred out and landed at Fresno State. That is kind of interesting. Where he reconnected with head coach Jeff Tedford, who had been a mentor to him since Hayner's peewee days. How do you get... I don't know. It doesn't matter. Uh, Jake's father, Ryan, was a high school quarterback and safety at Fresno Bullard. He was teammates with Kevin Sweeney, who was a record-setting quarterback at Fresno State. Uh, Jake's mother, Julie, competed in equestrian and is a well-known television journalist who has worked for KTVU, the Fox affiliate, in San Francisco for 26 years. Three-year starter at Fresno State, Hayner was productive in the Bulldogs' spread RPO scheme under longtime mentor Jeff Tedford, as we said. Overall, Hayner doesn't have premium size or arm strength by NFL standards, but he helps compensate for his average physical tools with passing anticipation, natural accuracy, and the competitive toughness to keep plays alive. As long as he is healthy, he has the mental makeup and instincts to be a resourceful NFL backup in the mold of Taylor Heineke. PFF has Jake Hayner as the number eight quarterback number 167 overall uh his comp taylor heineke where he wins play style what's his role backup quarterback where he can improve performance under pressure 86.2 passing grade 92.1 intermediate 91.3 deep passing 92.7 with no pressure 45.7 under pressure that is pretty significant one of the things i noticed watching jake hayner is that he did have a decent amount of time in the pocket and so when you have a 92.7 grade with no pressure and you're very rarely under pressure your overall grade is going to be pretty solid a small quarterback who has an injury history and question marks under pressure isn't going to be coveted highly but he could very well land a backup role early in his career hayner did not run the 40 time at his combine or at his pro day but he had a 35 uh, inch vert nine foot six inch broad jump and a 7.013 cone the um, vertical being the best of that bunch. So I'll say this. I, I do like Jake Hayner a little bit more. They, they're very similar quarterbacks to me, but Jake Hayner actually goes through progressions. But the pressure thing does scare me. It's interesting because they, they both actually are able to run quite well. He also has a 70.2 rushing grade. By the way, PFF grades, Washington 70, and then starting in Fresno, 75, 78, and then 88 this year. Consistency isn't great, uh, 60, 70, 50, and then it was 80, 80, 80, 90, and then 75, 66, 64. So just a four-week stretch of pure, unadulterated dominance um, surrounded by more just average play. But anyways, um, Hayner also, very accurate quarterback, much better with his progressions. He's not as big. He's 24 years old. There were some questions about his arm strength, but another thing SIS um, actually tracks is the time it takes for a ball to travel a, a consistent distance. Not a consistent, a, a, uh, when you measure each player, I don't know how to say it, but plus or minus how long did it, the ball take to get to that point compared to expected. Jake Hayner was above expected or less than expected, depending on how you... Took less time than expected, meaning he has plenty of arm strength actually above expected. Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are right at average. He was better than average. So I don't have an issue with, and in fact, several of the throws I saw had a lot of zip on it. So I like Jake Hayner's uh, velocity, his accuracy, his mobility, his ability to go through progressions. But again, the, the flags are bad under pressure, somewhat smaller guy at six foot two oh seven and injury history. Do I think he could be a solid backup? 100%. Hayner was at 180 overall, by the way, on our consensus big board. All right, let's sneak in one more quarterback here. This time we're going to look at Mr. Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall is listed as the number eight quarterback via Dane Brugler out of BYU, six foot 207, so similar size to Jake Hayner. Out of Spanish Fork, Utah, 
He is 25 years old. A lot of older quarterbacks. Jaron Hall, the second of five kids, grew up in Spanish Fork, multi-sport standout throughout childhood. Three-star recruit, uh, the number 20 dual-threat quarterback in the 2016 recruiting class, number six recruit in Utah, lightly recruited and committed to BYU over Utah. Uh, moved to Roseville, California, where he served a two-year mission as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, he joined BYU and was actually Zach Wilson's backup in 2019 and 2020. He also played outfielder at BYU's baseball team. Hall married his wife, Brianna, in December of 2019, and they welcomed their daughter, Jada, in July 2021. Jaron's father, uh, Callan, was a junior college All-American at Dixie College before transferring to BYU where he combined for 1,359 rushing yards and 13 touchdowns over two seasons in 92 and 93. Jaron's mother, Holly, was a gymnast at BYU in 1993. Kalen and Holly were married in 1993. His older brother, KJ, played running back at BYU in 2015 and 2017. His younger brother, Dawson, is currently an outfielder at BYU baseball team. His younger brother, Kyson, is currently a wide receiver at BYU and just finished his freshman's. How many brothers does he have at BYU at the exact same time? They had like four kids in three years. (laughs) So he was the quarterback at BYU. His older brother was there in 2017. Then he has two younger brothers. One of them is an outfielder at BYU. The other is a wide receiver at BYU. So his brother was his wide receiver, his younger brother. And his other younger brother was a baseball player. So there's three of... Okay, all right, got it, fair enough. I'll leave it alone. I just can't figure that one out. Two-year starter at BYU, multi-sport athlete for the Cougars, played uh, in offensive coordinator Aaron Roderick's balanced scheme. He's the first African-American starting quarterback in school history. I guess that's not super surprising at BYU. Nothing against BYU, it's just very white. It says, uh, compactly built athlete, strong character. Overall, Hall is a cerebral, dual-threat passer with with above-average control and efficiency in his process. But his average arm talent, short stature, and injury history are potential roadblocks. He has NFL backup potential in an RPO-based play-action offense, fourth, fifth round. PFF, really not a fan, has him as QB 13, number 248 overall. Player comp is Trayvon Boykin. Trayvon, I don't know, something Boykin. Where he wins athleticism, what's his role? Developmental backup, where he can improve performance under pressure. 82.4 passing grade, 75 intermediate grade, 94.7 deep passing grade, 91.4 with no pressure, 41.1 under pressure. I mean, he is Jake Hayner to a T here. Uh, Didn't do much at his combine. Uh, That was by choice, no injuries or anything like that. But at his pro day, he ran a 4.6340, Jake Hayner. Actually, that was the other guy. Clayton Toon was about the same speed. I'm guessing Hayner's in that range. Uh, 419 short shuttle 7063 cone. It says Hall is an intriguing athlete, but he was more of a target shooter in BYU's offense than a well-rounded quarterback. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but whatever. Sounds like they're describing what I saw with Clayton Toon, where you stare a guy down and throw to him when he gets open, but I don't I don't know what that means. Anyways, um I really wanted to like Jaron Hall a lot more than I actually ended up liking Jaron Hall. Um you can see the uh, video and still shots I took of a play from Jaron Hall. And my thought was, this is either one of the better anticipation throws I've ever seen, or this is just a really weird Hail Mary type of situation. But if you look at it, the wide receiver is closest to the boundary. The cover corner is on the inside of him. The wide receiver is also looking basically either straight ahead or slightly even to the outside, while the DB is looking more to the inside. Jaron Hall at that point throws the football to the end zone, like at the hash mark. So it would be sideline, BYU receiver, DB, and then where he threw the football. And this is like a, I don't know, 40, 50 yard pass or something crazy. Well, the receiver breaks to the inside, gets to the inside. Oh, by the way, he was behind the DB gets to the inside of the DB, passes the DB, and gets to where the football is. Now, the uh, corner just lassoed him around the neck and yanked him down, so it wasn't uh, one of the more beautiful touchdown passes I've ever seen. But as soon as I saw that, I said, this guy is freaking special, potentially. But the problem is nothing after that was really all that great. So you've got the same pressure issues um, with Jaron Hall that you have with Jake Hayner. 
But then I started to see a lot more accuracy issues. Even some of the, the, you know, screen passes were kind of in the dirt. Some of the passes are a little bit behind rather than being out in front when you're trying to, you know, run in space. A lot of the deep passes were just misses. Um, you know, instead of throwing it to the middle of the field where the receiver can kind of get underneath it and maybe make a play, he throws it a little more, more up the field. And so the receiver has to push up, which is where the DB is, so he can't get there. So he, he seems to want to take those home run hits, and, and more often than not, it's really not that great of a throw, I guess. So, I mean, if you want to take the highs and look at it and say, holy crap, that's really awesome. If we could get him to do that all the time, then then sure. But um, I just really did not like the rest of what I saw. And as far as him being mobile, I don't think he's any more mobile than Clayton Toon or Jake Hayner. He's got, again, 4.65 speed. He's, he's, he's a Jordan Love guy. He's like uh, Aaron Rodgers, Pat Mahomes type of mobility. It's, it's not Justin Fields mobility. So this idea that he, yeah, but he's a dual threat. No, he's as much of a dual threat as the other 4.65 guys. And, and, and it wasn't really all that impressive. You know, somebody barely clips his leg and he kind of goes flopping to the ground. So it's not like this where he has that running back mentality with the balance and the agility and all that. No, he's a clumsy quarterback just like the rest of them. So um, I would say of the three, if I had to go in order, I would probably go with Jake Hayner first, although there are some flags there. Then probably Clayton Toon, although he's certainly, you know, when you got a guy staring people down, that's a concern. And then um, after that would probably be Jaron Hall. Hall? 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 Yeah, Hall. I don't think any of them massively excite me. But again, we're talking backup quarterbacks. So And they're, and they're all very similar. As far as their mobility, as far as their uh, ability, I, I would almost say Clayton. Uh, the, the best way to maybe put it is that Jake Hayner is like a combination of Jaron Hall and Clayton Toon. So anyways, those are the quarterbacks. We'll take a break. We'll come back and get to more of your uh, requests. We've got at least four more that we need to get to, or five more or something that are um, duplicates. Uh, Evan Hull, Juice Scruggs, Kobe Turner, Yaya Diaby, and that's it. So those four, at least, we need to get to. So patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. Please uh, remember to check out Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry at fertilegroundranch.org. See if that is an organization that you'd be willing to support. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. So I didn't keep track of who all requested these things, but we did have two people request Evan Hull, so we'll go there. Um, On our big board, Evan Hull is way down there at 217th. Dane Brugler has him as running back 20. It is funny. I wonder, oh, he's a top 30 visit guy. That's why. I was going to say, what what is it that makes multiple people want? Yeah, so so there were several requests to check out some of the top 30 guys. I haven't done a great job of highlighting those as we go through them, mostly because we haven't really touched on them aside from the early guys. But Evan Hull is one of those guys in our top 30 visits. So now the question is, why did we bring him in? Let's see if we can find out. Evan Hull is running back 20 via Dane Brugler out of Northwestern, 5'10", 209 pounds from Maple Grove, Minnesota, 22 and a half years old. He grew up in northwest Minnesota suburbs of Maple Grove, where he developed a passion for football at a youth level, started wrestling and running back in the seventh grade to supplement his training for football, running track, not running back, that wouldn't make sense. Also an avid piano player. He's a three-star recruit coming out of high school. Hull was the number 82 running back in the 2019 recruiting class, the number six recruit in Minnesota. Um, mostly FCS-level offers, uh, NDSU and whatnot, and Ivy League schools, which is pretty cool, Cornell, Dartmouth, uh, Penn, Princeton, and Yale. He picked up a Kansas State offer after head coach Chris Kleiman left North Dakota State for the Wildcats, but Hull stayed patient, hoping for a Big Ten offer. After Northwestern missed out on a few running back targets, it extended an offer to Hull a few weeks before signing day. So that's pretty cool. He is engaged to his high school sweetheart, T.N. Ruse, who is a sister of Jermaine Johnson for the New York Jets. That's why we brought him in. I figured it out. Boom. We're done with that evaluation. No? Okay. We'll continue. The wedding date, by the way, is set for July 7th. So I don't know why that... That needs to be. I, I guess it's just one of those things where Dane's like, bro, I got the inside scoop. I'm going to put it in there. Two-year starter at Northwestern, multidimensional back, and offensive coordinator Mike Bujakins? <laughs> Run-based scheme. So there you go. But anyways, uh, one of the least efficient passing offenses in the FBS in 2022. 10 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. One of the few bright spots on a one-win team in 2022. He was the only running back in college football with 50-plus catches and finished number three in the Big Ten in all-purpose yards per game. Uh, He is a trustworthy receiver, struggles as a blocker, which is going to hurt him as far as his true value as a third-round down back. Overall, Hull is a straight-line athlete and struggles to create on his own. He has a first-round mindset with the run patience and pass-catching skills to stick in the NFL. He can make an NFL roster for a team looking for a speedy number three back who is reliable catching the ball out of the backfield, sixth-round grade. Uh, as far as speedy, he has 4.47 speed. PFF, also not a massive fan, has him at running back 18, number 198 overall. Player comp is Tashard Choice, which is funny. It's just funny hearing names that I haven't heard in a long time. Like, oh yeah, I remember that name. Where he wins, lateral agility. What's his role? RBBC back. Running back by committee. Got it. All right, took me a second. Where he can improve pass protection. His rushing grade was a 73.5, receiving grade 75, which is shocking. He's a better receiver than he is running back. Zone grade was a 73. His gap grade was a 69. Uh, His run block grade is an even 60. Athleticism was actually pretty solid. Wait a minute. What are we, what, uh, hold on. He ran a 4-4-7. Why does PFF say he ran a 4-2-5? No, because PFF's kind of stupid, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, they go on to say Hull has a skill set that could flourish more in the league than it ever did at Northwestern. So there you go. Uh, Looking at his PFF grades over the years, so four years at Northwestern, but really just two as a starter. But over the four years, 62-68, 78-73. Over the two years, just the 78-73. Rushing grade, 78-73. He ran for 914 yards, five touchdowns, two fumbles. That's not a super great ratio there. Uh, Pretty consistent, not necessarily good, but consistent as far as his game-to-game. He had one really good game against Maryland. Um, Otherwise, it was 70-70-70, 50-50-60, 80-60-60-50-60-60. So fairly consistent in sort of that, I guess you call it like a 60 range. So I didn't really have anything from uh, as far as the All-22 or whatever, but it doesn't matter as much for running backs so i did find a couple videos ohio state and duke that are on youtube if you want to go watch him i don't necessarily dislike him i think part of the issue is the last couple running backs i've watched have been so 
absolutely fantastic. And now we're kind of talking about a later round guy. I'll start with what I like. He's got a pretty nice little, you know, one cut go and a good amount of power. I thought at 209, it wouldn't be that much, but 510, 209, he's real, you know, he's a smaller, more compact build. He's got some buildup speed too. I don't, I don't actually mean like down the field, but you know, it's, it's like that freight train that kind of, once it gets going, it can really hit you. Um, the receiving again, does it, does a fine job with that. I think the issue is everything just fell to half a step slow. It didn't seem like guys really had a hard time catching him from behind. He really wasn't able to uh, race anybody to the edge. I mean, 447 speed's not terrible. I'm just telling you what I saw watching him play. The vision wasn't quite on par with a lot of the other guys. Speed wasn't there. I mean, power is great, but again, a lot of the other guys we talked about had just as much. So, I mean, as far as if you just want a guy that can, you know, if he has a little bit of space, he does a good job. He's not going to create. He's not going to make magic happen if things are going wrong. He's just going down in the backfield. I do also like that essentially the team, he pretty much put the entire team on his back. As they mentioned, the the passing was so terrible. Uh, Half of that Ohio State game was him and the Wildcat. They just removed the quarterback from the equation. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a terrible thing. If we're, again, if we're talking late-round guy or possibly even undrafted free agent, who knows? I don't know, you know, fifth-round, sixth-round, seventh-round, whatever. But I think, honestly, even like fifth-round, I don't think it would be my favorite. Now that the Packers are starting to hit on, like, you know, fifth-round prospects, I'm going to get a little snobby here. <laughs> but if you're talking sixth-round or later, okay, right? I mean, we'll see what some of the other sixth-round running backs look like, but uh, I guess that's kind of where I'm at with him right now. All right, the next guy that was requested is Juice Scruggs. It's funny how really close in line everybody is. Like, the last guy we covered was at 110. Then you've got Clayton Toon at 175, Jaron Hall at 177, Jake Hayner at 180, and Juice Scruggs at 181. So they're all just rating that little bunch. And then you got uh, um, Yoshivas at 195 and Bryce Ford Wheaton at 196. So this must just be the money zone for most Packer fans or something. Oh, and Yaya Diaby, who we're also going to be watching, I think, next, is 176, right between Clayton Toon and Jaron Hall. But Juice Scruggs, uh, center out of Penn State. He was not a top 30 visit, so I don't know why there's a ton of love for Juice Scruggs. He's listed as the number six center um, from, as I said, Penn State on Dane Brugler's board. Six foot three, 301 pounds from Ashtabula, Ohio. 23.2 years old, Frederick Juice Scruggs, who was the youngest of four boys, grew up in Ashtabula and looked to follow his older brother's footsteps and play football. <laughs> However, he exceeded the weight limit in the local youth league and instead played soccer at age seven. That's funny. Oh, wow. And it says, uh, Scruggs g- discovered an indoor youth football league in Erie, Pennsylvania. He and his mother, Karen, made a 50-mile drive for several years to be able to go to that. At age 10, he started playing outdoor football, and the family decided to move permanently to Erie so Juice could continue to play with the same players and coaches. That's really, really crazy. Four-star recruit, Scruggs is a number four center in the 2018 recruiting class, number eight recruit in Pennsylvania. After his sophomore season, Syracuse became his first scholarship offer, uh, followed by uh, Iowa State, Michigan State, several MAC schools. But Scruggs fell in love with Penn State after multiple visits to Happy Valley, and he officially committed in 2017. He was part of the same 2018 recruiting class that produced several NFL players, including Micah Parsons, uh, Jason Owe, Jahan Dotson, and Pat Fryermuth. Wow. Scruggs earned the nickname Juice from his father, Frederick, because he preferred juice over milk when he was a toddler. Who doesn't? Graduated with a degree in hospitality management. Who's his brother? I guess it was just a thing his brother did when he was a kid. I don't know. Anyways, two-year starter, primarily center in uh, Mike Yersich's gap zone scheme. Overall, Scruggs needs to overcome his average recovery skills, especially in the run game, but he has a necessary build strength and football IQ to be a swing interior backup capable of fighting for starting reps, fifth or sixth round grade. PFF actually likes him a little bit more, has him as the number four ranked center as opposed to the number uh, sixth, 103rd overall. Um, Player comp. Eric McCoy, that's not bad, out of Texas, I think. Where he wins balance, what's his role, zone center guard. Where he can improve regaining leverage. As far as his testing, it seems like everything for the most part is at least 50th percentile with the exception of the 20-yard shuttle and the broad jump. His best test was the vert at 32 inches. It says Scruggs is a versatile zone scheme lineman with with easy areas for improvement. 
His zone blocking grade, by the way, was a 72.6, gap 62.9. Looking a little bit more at his grades, uh, again, two years as a starter, 67, then 71. Run blocking, 68, then 69. Pass blocking went from a 66 to a 73. Mostly consistent from week to week, but it's pretty much straight 60s. There are one, two, three, four games in the 70s and one in the 40s. Everything else is 60s. He allowed one sack, three hits, and 10 hurries, 14 total pressures. And uh, the last two years, well, actually, that's not even true. This past year, he was a center exclusively. Last year, it was 239 snaps at center, 685 at right guard. In total, 69 at left guard, 1,129 at center, 753 at right guard, two at right tackle. As far as my personal thoughts on Mr. Juice Scruggs, I would just say immovable and immobile. That about sums it up for me. Just mano y mano, you get somebody just lined up nose to nose with him and they try to push him, he's not going to move. You get him to try to move a little bit to the left and the right, probably not going to move. If the two guards kind of get too far away from him and they get too spread out and somebody gets like way to the outside, he's going to get right around him, right? Trying to block, you know, getting pulled or getting up to the next level, that's just not going to be a thing. So I don't know how realistic of an addition that would be in terms of what the Packers and most teams in the NFL actually need from an offensive lineman to be able to get up to the next level. But I suppose if you're strictly talking about a backup that could maybe be plug and play in certain situations and you just kind of tear a couple pages temporarily out of your playbook in case of injury, then there's that. But that's pretty much where I'm at with him. I I mean, I like him as long as Penn State isn't really doing anything crazy. He just stands there and blocks like, yeah, he just freaking dominates. All right, next up we have uh, Kobe Turner. Interestingly enough, Kobe Turner actually would have been uh, on today's podcast either way. Um, He is listed at number 114, so he would have been the fourth prospect we would have talked about. Kobe Turner is listed as uh, defensive tackle number 12 on the old big board. Have not talked about a lot of defensive tackles. And to this point, um, aside from maybe Tommy, I don't know if I really like a lot of the defensive tackles. We'll see if Kobe can be that dude. Um, Kobe Turner, Wake Forest, six foot two and a half, two 293 pounds out of Clifton, Virginia. He is 24 years old on the money. Kobe Turner, who is one of four children, grew up in Clifton with two main passions, football and music. Aside from all of his high school football accolades, he earned all state honors in chorus. A no-star recruit out of high school, he was, uh, wasn't was ranked by any online recruiting services, went overlooked by college programs, and apparently instead of attending recruiting camps his junior year, he was more focused on music. His high school teammate and cousin, Caleb Brooks, signed with Richmond in 2017 class. Turner was introduced to the Spiders coaching staff, who extended an offer to walk on. He said he figured he'd give uh, football one more chance and ended up earning a scholarship less than a year on campus. He also sang baritone for their music department. Uh, Looking to challenge himself and get better competition, he earned his undergraduate degree at Richmond, entered the transfer portal after the 2021 season, considered offers from Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech before committing to Wake Forest. Older brother AJ, uh, running back and defensive back at South Carolina from 2015 to 2019, he was at the East-West Shrine Bowl. A reserve in his one season at Wake Forest, Turner lined up primarily over the B-gap in defensive coordinator Brad Lambert's scheme. Overall, Turner is a tad undersized and is guilty of freelancing out of his run fits, but he plays with bouncy feet, forceful hands, and affects the game with his relentless effort. He projects as a rotational three-tech in the NFL with potential to be more. He gives him a fourth-round grade. It's kind of surprising. A guy that's basically played one year of football at a large-ish school is getting fourth-round grades and whatnot. By the way, his nickname is The Conductor, which makes sense. Uh, PFF also seems to really like the guy, even maybe a little bit more so. Kobe Turner, defensive tackle number 7, number 87 overall. Player comp is Maurice Hurst, where he wins play style, what's his role penetrating 3-tech, where he can improve pass rush plan. As far as his grades based on where he lines up, um, outside of the tackle, which he very rarely did, 45 grade. A-gap, so more of an interior guy. 113 snaps, 73 grade. Head up over the tackle, 84 snaps, 83 grade. And then B gap, 312 snaps, 93.2 grade when lined up in the B gap. He had an 88.6 pass rush grade, 93.1 run defense grade, 74.4 true pass rush grade, 15.1% pass rush win rate, 
Turner can bring disruption to your defense. You're likely going to have to live with some limitations in the run game, though, it says. Actually kind of interesting when you look at his PFF grades. Uh, all the way back his rookie year at Richmond, he didn't play very much. And then his next three years, he had an 84, 90.8, and 88 grades. Then he goes to Wake Forest and has a 92 grade, which is actually his highest. Um, they knocked him as far as run defense, but his run defense grades over the four years, including three at Richmond and one at Wake, 82, 90, 89, and 93. It's actually higher grades than his pass rush grades every single year. He actually had, uh, I shouldn't say only for a defensive tackle, but still not super great, 34 pressures on 323 attempts and three sacks. So no, it's not uh, it's not my new favorite defensive tackle or anything. Um, I... I, I if, if I'm going to say something positive, it's that he has a really high motor. I think he's got um, some good athletic traits, I guess you could say. There's a, I, I saw a highlight of him. I, there, there was an interesting video. I, I don't like to watch film breakdowns of guys because then it's just people that are going to sway me that he's really good or really bad, and it's not my opinion, and I think that's boring. But it was top defensive tackle prospect Kobe Turner breaks down his own film. I'm like, well, i got to check that out. But they pulled up a couple of... Uh, his plays and they're really impressive and it was like really quickly shed this guy then really quickly shed that guy and then go make the tackle right so it's just sort of like that high energy high intensity like boom 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 tackle for a loss like geez dude freaking calm down the biggest issue though is he's he's 290 pounds and he looks like it he's he's the guy he's going up against is always stronger so i mean he's done a couple good job a good job a couple times i've seen of um being able to hold his ground when they're trying to push him you know, just sinking his hips and digging his heels into the ground and just not moving. But I just struggle, especially at the NFL level, of him being able to accomplish a ton because he's undersized. And whatever it is people are excited about as far as pass rush, I actually don't think there's a ton of speed there at all. And so I see high energy, high effort, but I don't think it's going to materialize, especially being a smaller guy. I think he's going to get pushed around. He's not going to be able to get past a lot of NFL offensive linemen, in my opinion. I hate saying every single time I say stuff, it's like, you know, we're going to draft some of these guys, right? But I'm just, that's just kind of where I'm at. I like the guy. He seems to really want it. Um, I, I saw, it was watching, it's, it's on YouTube again because we're getting into, I don't know, filming any of these guys' territory. But he caught uh, Uyunglele, or however you say his name, from behind and stripped the ball out. And uh, there's some other plays where they're stretching to the sideline and, you know, he's really just full out trying to get there. So, I mean, he, he is all heart. He never gives up. I really appreciate that, but I just, I, I cannot imagine. Plus, you give me any undersized defensive tackle and be like, he's a really good pass rusher, I'm just going to immediately say BS and just move on. I just can't, I just don't buy it, ever, <laughs> about anything or anyone. All right, we actually got two more, and we will squeeze these in here, Riley Moss and Yaya Diaby. Uh, let's start off with Riley Moss. Moss is another guy that would have been covered today. He is at 119 overall. Listed by Dane Brugler as the number 21 cornerback out of Iowa. He is six foot 193 out of Ankeny, Iowa. 23.1 year old, years old. Riley Moss, only child, that's a first. Grew up in Newton, Iowa, where he played flag football at age five. In addition to all his football accolades, he set uh, the state record in 110 meter, meter hurdles in a different meet and was part of state championship teams in the 100-meter relay and the 200-meter relay. He was a two-star recruit. Moss was the number 248 cornerback in the 2018 recruiting class, number 13 recruit in Iowa. His father, Mark, played football at an NAIA level, Waldorf University. Graduated with a degree in sports management. I feel like that's just sort of like the cop-out degree for guys that want to focus on football and kind of nothing else, you know? I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's just... It feels like when people get communications degrees because they just don't care. You know? Anyways, four-year starter at Iowa, Moss was a uh, right outside cornerback and defensive coordinator Phil Parks, press man, and zone match schemes. Overall, Moss needs to tighten up his footwork for smoother transitions, but he's a speedy and springy athlete who takes it personally when a completion is made on his watch. Some NFL scouts grade him as a safety, others as a true zone corner, fourth or fifth round grade. PFF grades him roughly the same, uh, 18th cornerback, Number 105 overall shows you how many cornerbacks are in this class. Good Lord, we're at almost 20 cornerbacks and we're barely in the top 100. That's ridiculous. They have his player comp as Kevin Johnson. Um, his grade inside the box is a 65.9 grade. In the slot is a 64.4 grade. 
out wide is an 82.3. He actually doesn't have any deep safety grade, so that's entirely speculation as far as I can tell. Where he wins quickness, what's his role zone corner, where can he improve his man reps? That just sounds like I said something bad, but I didn't. Coverage grade, 81. Wait a minute, this dude's white? I've never seen a white corner in my life. I'm not drafting this dude. I'm sorry, but I mean, stereotypes are a thing for a reason. I'm kind of kidding. I'm kind of not. We'll call it a red flag and move on. Run defense, 77.4. Tackling grade, 74.4. Coverage grade, 61.5. Coverage grade, 76.4. Testing was all perfectly fine. 4.45 speed. Vert, 39 inches. Broad jump, 10.7. Hand size, the height, everything is, is fantastic. Aside from his arm length, shockingly has really short arms. Huge hands on short arms. That's a funny picture. Moss is a productive and uh, and experienced as any corner in the class. Off-zone defenses take over the NFL only... What are we talking about here? Off-zone defenses taking over the NFL only helps Moss's stock as that's his ideal fit. My brain's... We need to wrap this up here. I'm fading fast, folks. Grades look fantastic. You know what's crazy? For whatever reason, as I'm looking at these really consistent grades, and then I look at Iowa cornerback, just something that sticks out in my head. Anybody want to guess? guy that we had on our team was real good, and then he wasn't on our team, and he went on to be continue to be really good, and then it was sad because he's not on our team anymore. Anyways, five years at Iowa, 67, and then 76, 78, 80, and 81. So solid for five years, but then also that continued growth. Um, and just across the board, 77 run defense, 74 tackling, 81 coverage. Now, the consistency as far as his game-to-game is not super great. In fact, I'm surprised he has an 81 grade. That doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I, I guess we'll just power through it here. 70, 60, 60, 60, 60, 70, 60, 80, 70, 60, 60, 50, 60. How is that an 80? I don't know. I guess it's because it's consistently like not like every game with the exception of one is above a 60 with, with you know, and then Nebraska is just a 57. So continues upward, you know, that consistency thing that PFF grades for essentially. Anyways, yeah, I, I, I do like Riley Moss. I don't think he's necessarily, um, elite in any one category with the exception maybe of effort heart drive whatever but i don't see anything wrong with the intangibles the height weight speed the fluidity not really a jaw drop prospect but i like him solid go get him all right final final prospect here yaya diaby he's number 176 on our consensus big board but is liked a lot more by dane brugler uh the number 12 edge rusher but the number 76 overall prospect um, Yaya Diaby out of Louisville, six foot three, two sixty three, from Atlanta, Georgia, twenty three point nine years old, one of three kids. Uh, he's played tight end, defensive back, and kicker in high school. He also lettered in basketball, wrestling, and track. He was a no star recruit. He went overlooked mostly because of his six uh, six foot two, two hundred and ten pounds. I guess as an edge rusher, that's not great. After high school, he worked at an airport until he received a chance to try out at Georgia Military College. He was officially a walk-on before earning a scholarship early in the 2018 season. Over his two years at Georgia Military College, he collected a bunch of stats. Three-year JUCO recruit, Diaby was the number three JUCO strongside defensive end. Received offers from Auburn, Florida State, Kansas State, South Carolina, Tennessee, West Virginia before committing to Louisville because of his connection with the coaches. Three-year starter at Louisville, Diaby was the field defensive end and former defensive coordinator Brian Brown's three-man front. I hate these three-man fronts. So prevalent in college, and it's like every single time you watch these guys, it's double and triple teams. Overall, Diaby needs to develop a more instinctive and craftier approach to breaking down blockers, but he has the natural explosion and length to attack gaps or power through the shoulder of blockers. Like a swinging saloon door, he has intriguing development potential as a scheme diverse leverage power rusher third round number 72 overall it's funny because he has them in front of guys that we've already covered like zach harrison and tuli tuli opio tui pulo too why do i even bother um pff i don't even think has him in their big board which is kind of shocking but anyways looking at his stats uh three years 66 then 83 and then down a little bit down to 75 Run defense, 66, 81, 69. Pass rush, 64, 73, 73. So overall for this past year, 74, 70 run defense, 73 pass rush. He had 36 pressures 
on 279 attempts and 10 sacks. Uh, not a big fan of the week-to-week grades because it's like really good or really bad, one or the other. Um, 40, 50, 70, 70, 60, 80, 80, 50, 50, 60, 70, 50, 80. So just wild swings. The only game tape that uh, I have on him is Boston College, which shockingly is not one of his worst games. However, it is the only game the entire year he didn't have a single pressure. So, <laughs> so there you go. Well, the guy's got a cool name, so I really was hoping I was going to like him, but I'm, I'm just not a big fan. Part of the issue is, despite being an edge rusher at 263, he lined up inside more often than not which is not necessarily an ideal spot, aside from the fact that he kind of looks like a defensive tackle, more so than an edge rusher. The 4.51 speed is, is, is pretty impressive, relatively, but that's, you know, just in a straight line, oh shoot, somebody got away, chasing from behind speed. He seems really stiff and just not much like an edge rusher to me. But there also isn't a ton of power, so I, I mean, I, I just, I didn't see much of much. And I just can't imagine lining him up on the outside and seeing what he could do. I mean, you know, I mean, it would be interesting because I didn't see him really do it. Yeah, and I don't know why they call him an edge. Every single one of these games, he's listed as a defensive left tackle. But anyways, all that aside, I, it's one of those things where either way, I don't necessarily like it. On the inside, he's not strong enough. On the outside, he's too stiff. Maybe, you know, it'd be interesting to see him stand up. I didn't see him stand up on the outside. Maybe he can kind of do some stuff, get a little bit ahead of steam forget who it was. There was a guy, man, you stand him up and give him a couple steps, head of steam, and that's where the power really came in. Maybe that would be a thing for him, but I just, there was just nothing that I saw that was really super interesting. So I think I'm kind of just out on Yaya Diaby. For now, if we draft him, I'll come back and check him out. You know how it is. But anyways, that's it. Appreciate all of you guys uh, reaching out. Continue to do that, by the way. Twitter, Patreon, Facebook, everywhere that you can... uh, you know where I might be. I posted a link asking for recommendations of guys to watch. We have plenty to look at, but uh, no more doubles and triples. So get them in. We'll take a look. Otherwise, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.